Greetings, everyone. I'm Jesse Hipporosario, Director of Member Relations and ASHP's Staff Liaison to the Section of Specialty Pharmacy Practitioners here at ASHP, and thanks for joining. I'm excited to share with you that today's episode is a curated feature on specialty pharmacy from the exceptional programming from the 2021 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. Please enjoy the voices of your colleagues as they share the latest clinical information, best practices, and leadership advice at the world's largest gathering of pharmacists. The key point we want to emphasize is that there are differences in the expected toxicities between the traditional chemotherapy agents and these immunotherapy agents. So with traditional chemotherapy toxicities, and I'm sure many of you have seen them in TV shows, exaggerate a little bit, but you'll see things like immune suppression. You definitely think of nausea and vomiting, hair loss or alopecia, fatigue, and even peripheral neuropathy. These are very common with our traditional chemotherapy agents, things like cisplatin or paclitaxel. But the newer agents, these immunotherapy medications, have unique side effects that are immune-related. Essentially, the immune system may attack your own body, and so it may be shown as skin rash or itching, endocrinopathy such as hypothyroidism, hyperthyroidism, as well as diabetes effects and pituitary effects. The liver toxicity may be seen as hepatitis, and then diarrhea and colitis can occur, and pneumonitis may be exhibited as well, and then nephritis, although that is rare. But again, unlike chemo, immunotherapy cannot be dose-reduced to manage these toxicities. Immunotherapy either has dose delays or you stop treatment, but there is no dose reduction with immunotherapy. Now, to discuss the signs and symptoms of these specific immune-related adverse effects, such as hypothyroidism, you would still see the traditional signs and symptoms that you would see if someone developed hypothyroidism. Fatigue, lethargy, feeling cold, elevated TSH level, and a low free T4. With pneumonitis, the symptoms may exhibit as dry cough, shortness of breath. You could experience chest pain and possibly fever. Hepatitis would again look very traditional for hepatitis, which is abdominal pain, elevated liver enzymes, and yellowing of your eyes and your skin. With nephritis, which again is one of the most uncommon ones, you would see an increase in creatinine and changes in your urine output. Colitis, the symptoms exhibited there would be watery diarrhea. You would see cramping, abdominal pain. You potentially could see blood in your stool and fevers. And then rash or pruritus, which is one of the first ones that shows up, would be seen as macules and papules on the skin. You can see itching, and you could see excoriations on the skin or changes from scratching. Now, how common are these toxicities? So with the skin, you would see an overall incidence between 29 and 42%. Now, these numbers may vary depending on which clinical trial you're looking at, but in general, this is the range. And then for grade three toxicity, and for those of you unfamiliar with oncology, we grade everything in oncology and toxicities on a scale of zero to five. Zero toxicity would mean that it has not occurred and a level five or grade five toxicity results in death from the side effect. But anything grade three, four, or five, of course, is serious and life-threatening. So that's why we kind of divide it out to talk about grade three, because we want to know about those side effects that actually are very dangerous to the patient. So again, skin, overall, the incidence of any grade toxicity is 29 to 42%. But for the serious side effects, it's less than 2%. With gastrointestinal, which would include your colitis and would include other GI toxicities, it would be 12 to 21%.
And then the grade severe, the grade three or greater toxicities is one to two percent. In the endocrine, which again would include your hypothyroidism, your hyperthyroidism, pituitary effects, and also pancreas effects, you're going to see an incidence of seven to fourteen percent. So not as common. And again, your grade three toxicities are very uncommon. And then with hepatic effects or liver toxicities such as hepatitis, the overall incidence is three to six percent. And again, the grade three toxicities for the rest of these are very low. And then for pulmonary, it's very uncommon to see this pneumonitis, about 2% overall incidence. And then with renal, which is actually the most probably uncommon one of these, you see the nephritis 1% to 2% of patients. So pretty rare. And it occurs a little bit later in therapy. Now, I would like to put point out the timing for these immune-related adverse effects. So with this, you're going to see that the skin toxicities occur almost immediately within the first month of starting the immune-related medication. They can occur later, but usually you're going to see them in the first month of starting immunotherapy treatment. Colitis occurs soon after that in general, but can occur for a month or two. And then liver toxicity and also your endocrinopathies tend to start around six to eight weeks after treatment has begun. Pneumonitis tends to occur later, about three months after treatment somewhere around there to start. And then nephritis, if it were to occur, which again, remember, nephritis is very uncommon. If it were to occur, it can occur much later in therapy. But that also means that when you're monitoring your chemistries, you should be kind of looking at that just to keep an eye on it, although it's very uncommon. Now, routine monitoring for immunotherapy. In general, the guidelines recommend that before any toxicities occur, when you first start immunotherapy, you do these first basic monitoring parameters. Of course, you're going to get a CVC and a Chem 20 at baseline and at each treatment, or at least monthly. Before you begin treatment, you should do infectious disease screening just to rule out any underlying infections. You should do a baseline bowel assessment of the frequency of their normal bowel movements so that you have something to compare to if they do develop these do develop something like colitis. And then a physical exam should occur at baseline. And of course, it usually occurs at every doctor's or provider's visit. And then a neurologic exam should be done at baseline. Now for endocrine assessment, it's recommended to get a TSH, a free T4 at baseline and every six weeks throughout therapy. Skin should be examined at every visit and the mucosa initially, and then I should paraphrase that to say, you should have a skin and mucosa examination initially and then as needed. And then oxygen saturation should be performed at baseline, but is not necessary for every visit. And then it is optional if you want to do EKG, cortisol levels, or pulmonary function tests. But this isn't something that's a standard, but you could have this performed at baseline. So general recommendations from the guidelines include educating the family and caregivers about what to expect, what possible immune-related adverse effects to expect, and tell them to have a high level of suspicion for any new side effects and talk to your provider and discuss that with them. In general, the recommendations, depending on what level of toxicity you have, you have different recommendations. So if you have a grade one toxicity, which is considered mild, you can manage this by actually continuing the immunotherapy, but monitor closely. A grade two toxicity should be managed by actually holding the immunotherapy and starting steroid treatment. Because these reactions are immune-related, one of the most standard treatments for it is steroids to suppress the immune system. The dose that's recommended for a grade two toxicity is prednisone, 0.5 milligram per kilogram per day, up to one milligram per kilogram per day. And immunotherapy could be restarted once the toxicity is a grade one or less. For grade three toxicity, which again, remember, is a severe toxicity, 
It should be managed by holding immunotherapy and starting high-dose steroids. The dose of prednisone for this level of toxicity is recommended to be the one milligram per kilogram per day. And restarting immunotherapy could be an option once the toxicity is resolved to a grade one or less. Now, grade four toxicity is generally considered life-threatening. And with this, you would permanently discontinue immunotherapy and it requires high-dose steroids. Now we're going to get into the specific different types of immunoreactions. So for the first one, which is rash and inflammatory dermatitis, this tends to happen within the first month of immunotherapy, but can happen later. For grade one, the mild reaction, you would want to continue the immunotherapy, but use topical emollients and then mild to moderate potency topical steroids. Now mild to moderate potency topical steroids could include hydrocortisone cream, or desonide, and then you would want to avoid sun exposure or skin irritants. If they have to be on the sun, sunscreen is recommended, generally an SPF of 30 or higher. And then if you have a grade two toxicity, you would want to consider holding the immunotherapy and continue trying the topical emollient, and then you want to switch to a moderate to high potency topical steroid. Now this would increase to things such as the moderate to high potency topical steroids are going to include Betamethasone, you're also going to consider triamcinolone creams, and then you would add oral antihistamines to this. When adding the steroid, the prednisone dose is the one milligram per kilogram per day, and then tapering over a four-week period. If the toxicity is grade three, which again can be severe, you would want to hold immunotherapy and consult dermatology. You also want to consider topical emollients like before, high-potency topical steroids, oral antihistamines. So those are all the same as you did in grade two. But your steroid would change from being prednisone to methylprednisolone, one to two mg per keg per day, and tapering over longer than four weeks. For the life-threatening toxicity or grade four toxicity, you will definitely do all of those things, but also you're going to admit the patient for hospitalization inpatient management. But all the same interventions are recommended. But one of the key things here is that you're permanently discontinuing this therapy with a grade four. Our next toxicity is colitis. For grade one colitis, again, you could continue the immunotherapy until toxicity is less than grade one, and you would want to monitor for dehydration or any changes in electrolytes. But you don't have to stop therapy unless the patient or the provider would like to do that. For grade two, though, it is recommended to hold the immunotherapy, restart when it's grade one or less. If the patient is receiving a CTLA-4 inhibitor, as um, Dr. Green had mentioned, that would be ipilimumab that may need to be permanently discontinued. But the other types, the checkpoint inhibitor drugs, those should be held, but then started again once the toxicity resolves. Now, what steroids we use? We'll be using prednisone, one to two milligram per kilogram per day. There's a taper over four to six weeks once the toxicity is a grade one or less. And then there should be, for grade three, the same interventions above, but you're going to consider hospitalization because again, you remember grade three is severe and you would consider fluid electrolyte replacement. And then the prednisone is a similar dose of one to two milligram per kilogram. If there is no response in two to three days, there are several different options for you. One of those options could be to consider methylprednisolone or infliximab therapy. Now, one thing to note, if you are considering infliximab therapy, infliximab therapy, the patient needs to be screened for TB and in some guidelines, it can even say screening for HIV and hepatitis as well, prior to use of infliximab. Now for the grade four life-threatening toxicity, you're gonna permanently discontinue its immunotherapy, 
Methylprednisolone is a steroid that you would start, and it's a one to two mg per kg per day dosing. And once it's below grade one or grade one or less, you would taper it over a four to six week period. And then it is recommended when you're grade four that you do use infliximab. Grade three was a recommendation. Grade four is that you should do this. So in grade four, you would start infliximab five to 10 mics per kilo. And if refractory after two or three days, you may even consider vetolizumab. This is a incretin medication or blocker, or you could use it if they're refractory to infliximab or if the tumor necrosis factor blocker is um, contraindicated. You'll also notice that some guidelines, and I'm gonna mention guidelines at the end, but some of the guidelines do recommend the vetolizumab as well as infliximab at the same level. So those guidelines are changing, I'll point that out, the ones that have just recently come out at the end of the presentation. For hepatitis or elevated transaminases, the management is a little different than coli, so I'm going to point out those key differences. With a grade 1 toxicity, you would want to consider holding immunotherapy and monitor transaminases and bilirubin one to two times a week. One thing to really note with the hepatitis is you're going to be grading it based on the elevations in the AST, ALT, and T-bili. So you're monitoring both AST, ALT, and T-bili to decide what grade toxicity this patient has. If the toxicity becomes grade two, it is recommended to hold immunotherapy until grade one or less. Prednisone dose is 0.5 to 1 milligram per kilogram per day, and you'd monitor every three to five days reassessing the liver function. For a grade three toxicity, when you have quite elevated liver enzymes, upper limit of normal five to 20 times upper limit of normal, you would permanently discontinue the immunotherapy. The steroid that would be started would be methylprednisolone, or you could do prednisone, and the dose is one to two milligrams per kilogram per day and taper after four to six weeks. With this toxicity, you should consider inpatient care and a hepatology consult you should also instruct the patient throughout this to stop any medications that could be hepatotoxic. And then one key difference that I mentioned about for colitis is that with hepatitis, you never want to use infliximab. Infliximab is not recommended because it could worsen liver toxicity. So infliximab should not be used in hepatitis. If the patient is corticosteroid refractory, you would consider mycophenolate or azathioprine as treatments when corticosteroid refractory. And remember, no infliximab. Content. Okay, so for grade four, which again is thought to be life-threatening, you would permanently discontinue the immunotherapy. Methylprednisolone and prednisone will be started at a much higher dose, two milligram per kilogram per day, and taper after four to six weeks. You should consider inpatient care and the hepatology consult again. And again, in a red this time, no infliximab should be used in a patient that has hepatitis or elevated transaminases. Now for our endocrine toxicities, I chose primary hypothyroidism. I'm not going over in detail hyperthyroidism or any of the pituitary or diabetes management, although you can find those in the guidelines. Hypothyroidism tends to be the most common of the endocrinopathies that are seen with immune-related adverse effects. Now with hypothyroidism, the key number, I'm hinting at this again, the key number is 10. If your TSH level is below 10, you can continue immunotherapy with close monitoring and there's no active intervention. But if the TSH is persistently greater than 10, 10 or greater, you may hold immunotherapy until symptoms resolve, but you're going to start thyroid replacement therapy. The thyroid replacement therapy, the starting dose is typically levothyroxine, 1.6 mics per kilo per day. Now this is a starting dose for most patients. However, if you have an elderly patient or a patient that seems to be fragile, the guidelines recommend starting with levothyroxine at 25 or 50 mics per day. 
and titrating up slowly. So again, with thyroid replacement, the target dose is the levothyroxine 1.6 mics per kilo per day. But if you've got an elderly patient or someone that is fragile with multiple comorbidities, you may actually prefer to start at more of a 25 or 50 mic per day dose and titrate up. Monitoring, you would reassess your TSH every six to eight weeks until stable. And then last, if the toxicity is grade three or four, which tends to be severe life-threatening, you're going to hold the immunotherapy until symptoms resolve to baseline with appropriate self-bullet. So you'll hold the therapy, start the levothyroxine, as mentioned before, and then you may admit them if they have myxedema. Now, myxedema is a severe form of hypothyroidism. Symptoms will include shortness of breath, feeling cold, confusion. So if the patient exhibits those symptoms, then admission to a hospital with inpatient management may be appropriate. Pneumonitis, again, is symptoms such as shortness of breath, difficulty breathing. Usually, if it's asymptomatic, so there are no symptoms, but it is found, you can hold immunotherapy with radiographic evidence of the pneumonitis and presume with improvement on the radiograph. You would repeat the chest CT once in three to four weeks. However, if the patient is symptomatic, it goes automatically to a grade two. You would hold the immunotherapy until improvement to grade one. Also, prednisone needs to be started, one to two milligrams per kilogram per day, and then taper by five to 10 milligrams per week over four to six weeks. Now, at the beginning of your screening for your patient to start immunotherapy, it had said to make sure to assess them for any infections. So that should have been ruled out at the beginning. But if not, you could consider if there's any kind of infectious etiology going on that's affecting the patient's breathing. So if you're concerned that, you could consider empirical antibiotics and also consider bronchoscopy with um, bronchoalveolar lavage to kind of further define what is happening with your patient. If the toxicity is a grade three or four, meaning severe and life-threatening, you're going to permanently discontinue the immunotherapy. Empiric antibiotics should be begun, and a methylprednisolone steroid, one to two milligrams per kilogram per day, should be initiated. And a taper over four to six weeks is recommended. If there is no improvement for the patient after 48 hours, you may add infliximab or mycophenolate or even IVIG. A consult should be performed for pulmonary and for infectious disease just to evaluate for any other causes or things that are complicating the patient's therapy. I mentioned I was going to discuss the guidelines. So we are seeing that there are several different organizations with guidelines about how to manage immune-related adverse effects of these therapies. So the National Comprehensive Cancer Network has guidelines published, and they are updated regularly. The American Society of Clinical Oncology published guidelines initially back in 2018, but they actually just published guidelines November 1st of this year. And unfortunately, our slides do not reflect those guidelines because these were turned in earlier. But just be aware there is a new guideline where you can find even more up-to-date ASCO public guidelines on their website. And the Society for Immunotherapy of Cancer has guidelines as well as the European Society of Medical Oncology has guidelines available. Thanks so much for listening in today. Be sure to follow us at ASHP Official wherever you listen to podcasts and check back soon to hear more featurettes from the 2021 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. Until then, this is Jesse Hippel-Rosario from ASHP Official and thank you for listening in.